Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Geek Time Radio. I'm here this week with Bex Trista. Hey there, how you doing? I'm alright, how are you? Yeah, good thanks, good thanks. Wondering where summer's gone, but other than that, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, we had some glorious weeks and then it's kind of all disappeared again recently. We were supposed to be having that heat wave with vanished as well, which is most disappointing. Yeah, it seems like the sun has taken away, gone with all the TV shows, so when we had all the beautiful weather, we didn't want to go outside. Yeah. Uh, the weather is just not playing ball no no it's not right there's no tv on we should get decent weather that's the rule how nature works isn't it (laughs) yeah yeah no i'm sure that's how nature works yeah (laughs) so what have you been up to uh i've been doing a lot of sort of retro gaming stuff recently nice Um, without all the tv shows to watch i've had to like actually leave the house That, that seems to have lined up nicely with quite a lot of places um, doing a lot more sort of retro arcade gaming. So there's a place up in North London near Manor House Tube that's called uh, Free Play City. Oh, cool. And basically they've got loads of old arcade games, consoles and all sorts of stuff set up. And it's all just free to play. And they've got the Japanese back-to-back versus beat-em-up arcade consoles as well. Nice. So you can go and pay like Final Fight and uh, Street Fighter 2 and all of these kind of things and uh, occasionally like, you know, lean over and lord over the person who's asked you just kicked, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, quite, it's quite good fun and it's all the nostalgia, so I've been, been enjoying that. Yeah, that sounds good. There's a Play Expo going on in Manchester, which does quite, um, I think that's next month, which does quite a lot of ex- uh, those kind of old school gaming platforms. And, it's uh, definitely coming back, I think, with all of the rise in app development and games on phones, which forces people to go back to a more kind of sprite-based system. It's, I think it's causing a big resurgence in people kind of going back to these games and these styles of games, which I think is really, really cool because everything's got so shiny and 3D and cinematic, which is amazing on one level. But I was kind of missing just the kind of like, you know, button bashy, kick, kick, punch, punch kind of games. <laughs> yeah. And they're, all, and they're all coming back. And one of the other things I did recently was went to the Square Enix uh, offices in London. Nice. Which was, yeah, which was pretty cool. And they've got a game out by one of their sort of little offshoot groups that's called uh, Tokyo RPG Factory. And it's called I Am Setsuna. Right. And okay. it's a classic JRPG, very much inspired by games like Chrono Trigger and the original Final Fantasy games and that kind of thing. Yeah. But with nice, shiny, modern graphics. Ooh, cool. So it's kind of top down and it's sort of sprite based, but not because it's all beautifully rendered, but it's. Oh, it's so nostalgic and it was really lovely and they had the developers sort of on on the phone from Japan and they were explaining the game to us and we had like a little preview play and stuff like that, which was cool. Um, that's out on Steam. Oh, okay. I'll have to go and look that up. That sounds yeah. good. 
it's good. It's lovely to see these sorts of games coming back. I think that I, I can have my childhood sort of second time around. Yeah, <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> so um, what about films? Film-wise, I saw The Killing Joke when it was on in the cinema for that one-day special. Yes, yeah. Um, which was very, very mixed, I have to say. <laughs> really, really kind of mixed feeling. There was a lovely little documentary on before or after that we didn't know was going to be shown. That yeah. had sort of Mark Hamill and people in, and that was really cool. But the, the, the killing joke itself, uh, have, you, have you seen it? Yes, I have seen it, yes. So you've got the, you've got the second half, which is a fairly faithful adaptation of the graphic novel. Yeah. But then they've tacked on this this first 20 odd minutes yeah and they are an odd 20 minutes as well <laughs> they're, they're very they're very odd i felt it people were laughing at things that were supposed to be serious yeah yes it, it was really i was quite surprised how poorly scripted the first 20 minutes were yeah it, it does go to show you the the difference between the book which is seen as a sort of seminal batwan work and a bunch of screenwriters trying to live up to it as well there is a definite two halves to that film. Yeah, there were some bits that were really lovely where you could see the pages being brought to life. Yeah. But the yeah. animation felt quite static, especially in some of the action scenes and things like that. I was quite surprised. I just sort of sat there being kind of underwhelmed, but seeing what they were trying to do. Yeah. But it just hadn't quite got there. And it was it was so hyped. It was very hard for it to live up to anyone's expectations because it's, you know, the massive, the massive title everyone's been waiting for, the one Hamill said he would come back for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just it was so close it, I just really wanted it to be to, to be kind of like just yeah more visually engaging I think yeah well I mean hype is the thing that really gets you in trouble and there mm. is another thing coming up that we'll talk about that got into a lot of trouble with hype but uh yeah we'll get onto that in a minute um so yes what else suicide squad yes obviously that is uh the the, the, the big one of the moment yes and that, yeah, a lot, lot of sitting in the cinema being being confused, but not at the plot because the plot was so highly derivative and obvious and basic for a blockbuster that it felt like, you know, some kind of amateur attempt at writing a Ghostbusters plot. But <laughs> they, you, you could so see that they had multiple edits, conflicting edits running of this and they just put them together. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean... I really felt like they were two possibly good or at least enjoyable movies trying to escape designed by committee having yeah. destroyed it that that's always the frustrating thing or, or certainly recently with the dc stuff is, is it it's there are good films in there you know mm. and they're sort of well done it was the same problem with batman v superman you know that i think that there are fundamental things that let them down but there are good things in there and i mean i i sort of I didn't hate Suicide Squad. I quite enjoyed it in places, but yeah, it's an odd film. It's very strange in the way that it's constructed because you have those open, opening kind of vignettes which introduce the characters, which then don't seem to connect particularly well with the rest of the movie. Because um, they were put together by Trailer Park that made the trailers rather than being something the director had been involved in. Exactly. So uh, you felt like you could see the different influences. There was lots of other things of people being hired and fired behind the scenes, the rumours are. And you could really see that they, you had the director was trying to make one film and yeah. then they'd given them, same with Batman versus Superman, give the director free reign and then come in at the last minute being very reactionary to things that have happened in text, test screenings and suddenly have a panic and chop everything up. Yeah, 
Yeah. I feel like the studios, they don't, because obviously Marvel, Disney have got this real big massive handle on this overarching thing they're doing. They have this big plan and it sort of feels like DC's slightly late to the party and it's just kind of having a bit of a panic, which is which is a real shame because they're doing so well with the telly yeah. and it's just not translating to the to the big screen. Yeah, I mean, that's the real oddity is, is the TV stuff is so good and, you know, Compared to, um, well, I mean, the, the network Marvel stuff, less so the Netflix stuff, but certainly the network Marvel stuff like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Have, was very shaky in its first season. And you look at Flash, which just hit the ground literally running. Um, oh, it just killed it in the first season. You know, It really was perfect. It was so enjoyable. It was bringing people in that didn't even know the comic book. Yeah, yeah. And and was such a fun show. Um and I mean, even Arrow in these fir- those first few seasons, it, last season I think is had rather mixed reviews. But the, certainly the first few seasons of Arrow, and you know, Legends is perfectly enjoyable. I think Supergirl they did a really good job with. Uh, you know, I it's just it's weird how well they do on the TV compared to how badly they're doing with the films. Yeah, well, it's the same with the animated things. You look at yeah. uh, Dark Knight Returns, you look at the Assault on Arkham. I mean, Assault on Arkham shows they can do Suicide Squad perfectly well. Yeah, that is that is the other weird thing, is the fact that they can obviously do big cinematic pieces, but only in animation, which makes no sense. It was strange. It felt like they were wanting to be edgy with Suicide Squad and they wanted a 15 rating but I didn't see anything that warranted the 15 rating in the movie no and they wanted this to be edgy and they wanted this to push the boundaries and be quite dark but then had sort of a panic about it and pulled it all back took out loads of the Joker stuff yes which upsets Jared Lee so yeah he's been quite vocal and he's upset with that and feels that there's enough to make an entire movie out of just him and and Harley which could be something interesting maybe they could get that all of the cutting room floor yeah but it just seemed like they were they were slightly afraid to go as dark as the material wanted them to yeah it, it should have been a black comedy it should have been yeah and you know because suicide squad would really lend itself to that and it's a shame they didn't have the guts to do it but they even sort of tried to make the the harley joker relationship seem a lot more healthy yes they tried to show joker as caring for her a lot more and coming to rescue her and they sort of were implying that you know they could be a proper family unit in some strange way and that's quite at odds with what they did on children's cartoons in the 90s with it where they actually (laughs) showed him smashing her out of the building and her landing in the rubbish and yeah they they weren't afraid to show an abusive relationship in all its kind of facets and complicatedness in a children's cartoon but then they kind of buckled out of doing it on a 15 rated movie yeah yeah it is very weird very unusual yeah it is very strange that because you are you're entirely right i mean the you know the animated adventures um batman cartoon uh, really i mean joker was so much more abusive in that um you know and and really didn't care and was far more manic and yeah it's weird it's weird it's almost slightly dangerous that they're showing it as a slightly healthier relationship because it starts in such a a violent way yeah 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 it was almost more it was more engaging and it was more interesting to show it as what it was yeah yeah it's very 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 strange yeah yeah it is it's a very odd film um i think that's going to be another one that's going to be interesting to see on the dvd release because they'll have edited it again by that i wish they would give us two versions if they would give us the the director's cut versus the the trailer park cut yeah as like an option because yeah. i'd like to see those two movies i still think the overarching plot is just too much of a basic blockbuster style 
almost like a family movie kind of plot. But well, yeah. it might have been really enjoyable if we'd had a consistency and we'd had a tone that stayed the same for more than 10 minutes. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. And I agree with you about the plot, actually. I mean, the plot is is very, very basic. The, the whole idea of it's one person that goes bad and they have to, you know... Destroy the world for no reason. <laughs> yeah, and wants to destroy the world for no reason and, and they have to save the, you know, the, the girl is basically it. Yeah, it is kind of lazy and they could they it could have been so much the more. writers like six weeks to do the entire plot and script yeah which they is just a mistake. didn't have a chance to do their job <laughs> yeah it's it's such a such a shame because that could have been such a better film than it was but you know what can you do <laughs> that's pretty much what i've been saying on youtube about it this is a shame i wish this was better this was such an opportunity to kickstart things this was such a, a good way of bringing people in because they're lesser known characters for the mainstream you know less comic yeah. book reading people they like guardians of the galaxy style they could have pulled more people in yeah yeah and they just just didn't yeah they just didn't you just sort of sit there slightly bemused going why <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing the whole format is kind of geared towards a comic book fan i mean that i i described it as being a bit like you know when you get uh, a trade paperback and they've shoved a bunch of issues issues in at the start which is sort of semi-related before you get into the main story and that's sort of what the film feels like with those vignettes at the start yeah it was all a little bit like sort of guy Ritchie, <laughs> kind of but not as cool um, yeah. not, for, not for lack of trying on the part of all of the, the, uh, the people involved. There, there were some really lovely moments and some really good, funny little bits and pieces. You could see that everyone had put a lot of effort in. It had just been pretty just destroyed from, from the cutting room kind of angle. Yeah, which again, you know, if it is a cutting issue and there is other footage they can replace and add back in, that does make me more interested to see a DVD release of it because that may solve some of the issues maybe it could everyone says i haven't seen the the, the full-length version of batman versus superman but everyone says it is significantly better yeah i mean i i've seen that and i would agree i think there is extra stuff in there which kind of smooths the plot out quite a lot with that i mean there are still grating problems like the whole martha thing and uh you know that there are issues with that movie as well but which you're never going to get rid of but it does smooth things out that makes lex a less annoying character because i found him quite grating in the cinematic version and i less grating in this so you know yeah they just need to let their people they need to trust their people and let the movies put their best foot forward yeah they need we, to have some some faith in the the things they're producing yeah which of course is is what marvel do is they they pretty much let the you know they they pick people that they think they can rely on and they let them do it you know so yeah it seems to work <laughs> yeah and it does it seems to work it seems so. to work they can come up with some things that have some really flawed plot points and stuff in their big blockbusters and everyone still loves them <laughs> because they yeah. just have such brand loyalty and everyone walks in the cinema expecting it to be great whereas everyone walks into the cinema to see a dc movie and they just are no idea what they're going to expect what to see they're just confused. Yeah, so I, I guess we're all pinning our hopes on um, uh, Justice League at this point now. Yeah, <laughs> interested to see uh, Wonder Woman as well because it's yeah. a smaller set of characters. It's something that hopefully it, it's more of a singular entity, and hopefully that will let it let it breathe and let it you know be the best film it can be. Yeah, um, I mean that that seems to 
um, from the footage that we've seen, it seems like it's heading in the right direction. But then, you know, we've we've seen footage from the other films and thought, oh, this looks great, and and it's not been as good yeah, as it. We keep seeing footage and then they don't put it in the movie; it's just in the trailer. Well, that that has been a huge problem with, uh, uh, particularly with Suicide Squad, was there was a lot of bits in the trailer that weren't in the final cut. So yeah. So what about TV? Have you have you caught any TV at the moment? Loads of things are obviously off for their summer holidays. Uh, yes. But I have been having some good fun rewatching Red Dwarf because we have <laughs> Red Dwarf series eleven will be on days in September. Yes. Um, I've met and chatted to Danny John Jules, who plays Cat, about Red Dwarf at Comic Cons and stuff. I'm yes. really, really looking forward to the next series. So I thought, you know what? I think we need a bit of a retrospective and to go back through all the originals. Still, just love them as much as when I first saw them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very interesting show that because you've got the first sort of few seasons, which uh, yeah, you had when they introduced Crichton, which was what season three, I think, as a okay. as a permanent character. Um, and there's a very definitive shift in the way, in in sort of how the whole thing looks and put and is put together. Well, they got some money, I think, at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be it. And then and then you sort of get to the point where um, Rob Grant leaves and leaves Doug having written himself slightly into a corner <laughs> where they they spend a lot of time trying to sort of write themselves out of it. Yeah, I think that the characters and the way they were willing to evolve and change and shake it up and stuff really gave more life to it. It avoided it staying in the same format. They could do an entire series of just a couple of people. They could do an entire series where they're stuck on Starbuck. They could do a series where they brought everyone back and then get rid of them again. And yeah, I think yeah. that because it was so tongue in cheek and because it was so aware of its own, you know, we're a silly sitcom in space with very little money, they played off those things and it made it more endearing. So even in the series is where they have not done so well you can still kind of get pulled through them by those little gems of genius that come from the cast and how long they've been working together. Yeah, and I think that's true. And I thought the last series on Dave, I thought was a vast improvement over um, certainly the the specials that they did. And I actually, I mean, I quite liked the final series on the BBC as well, where they, they went back to them being um, prisoners. So it sort of had them... Well, they went to them being prisoners, so they they had that kind of bunk conversation stuff coming back in as well, which was, mm. you know, um, I, and I think it, the the couple of seasons before that had started to lose that a little bit. So, but um, but it's yeah, still they find their feet again. I think yeah. for me, my favorite episode is still the very first episode. Yeah, which is clearly filmed on a budget of about three pound fifty, and they're using the uh, lighting gantries in the BBC, like walking around on the lighting gantries, and then just putting some red lights on them to make the walkways <laughs> shift. Yeah. Um, but it was just having that limited limited amount of money, limited amount of sets to film things in and stuff, really forced them to just write the best comedy and the best lines they could. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's very true. It, it, it is a great love show. that kind of grassroots stuff where it's just, this is funny because it's funny. It's not flashy, it's not showy. It's just brilliant people with perfect comedy timing. <laughs> yeah, no, I I do love Red Dwarf. I have done ever since the very first episode. I I saw the very first episode when it went out live on TV. So, <laughs> you looking forward to the new series? Then I'm guessing. Yes, yes, very much so. I've met um I've met Danny and chatted with Danny. I've met Chris and chatted with Chris. Um, yeah. I don't think I've met Rob or Craig. Yeah, yes. I've just met Danny multiple times, and each time he's been quite tired and full of a lot of coffee. <laughs> so it's been quite interesting. He is a wonderful, talkative, and uh, yeah, incessantly talkative man. <laughs> yes, yes. No, he is very lovely. 
he's, he's good fun and I've always always respected him because he's an amazing dancer <laughs> well yes there is that as well because <laughs> he's trained as a dancer first and all of those things he brought to Cat that wasn't in the script it wasn't in the thing it's just his input yeah yeah and and yeah it's such a wonderful timeless character there's no other character like that on any tv show ever no well that is very true yeah yeah i mean they were an interesting bunch to throw together because it was sort of you know a musician slash poet uh a dancer an impressionist you know and a stand-up comedian basically (laughs) yeah it works so well these kind of weird mixes of things that allowed people to bounce off each other and create something that was really unique yeah yeah so um i am glad it's i am very glad it's coming back um september as you say that that's back on again so i'm looking forward to that coming out uh anything else mostly just going to the conventions and things i was at hyper japan i was presenting for a a channel on youtube there and seeing all that kind of stuff london film and comic-con same again yes yeah that's been that's been quite good there's just been lots of lots of things to do. Lots of leaving my house, basically. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, it's good to get out, I guess. <laughs> I hit vitamin D or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apparently vitamin D is quite good for me. Um <laughs> My my last uh, sort of week or so, I I did I did leave the house on one occasion to go and see. Uh, I went into Birmingham to have a, a drive round and see if I could spot anybody from Ready Player One because they are oh, shooting okay. they are shooting Ready Player One, the film version of the Ernest Klein novel, um, which is a fantastic book if you haven't read it. Um, mm, absolutely, but uh, they're shooting that in Birmingham with Steven Spielberg. And because uh, apparently if you want a, a 2044 dystopian America, it looks like Birmingham. Uh, so uh, Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is a little harsh on certain areas of Birmingham, I think. But, you know, yeah, I mean, they, they were doing some shooting and there's some shots gone up on online of some of the vehicles and stuff. Uh, they're still in Birmingham shooting on certain days. I haven't seen anything apart from that original thing, but there is some more shooting coming up later on. So I will go out and try again to to see if I can spot them next time they're shooting out there. So yeah, there was that. Gaming wise, I'm I'm back on The Witcher Three a bit at the moment. I've completed. Did you ever leave The Witcher Three? Um, I did briefly for another game, but I'm back on it again. Um, mm-hmm. I've been playing through the Heart of Stone expansion, which I've I've now done that. So I'm on to the Blood and Wine expansion now. Um, so and level level 40 i think i've just hit so i'm i'm gonna i'm looking forward to that to play more of that because that's such a great fun game the game i actually left it for temporarily was no man's sky now i'm assuming you've heard about this game yeah it's a remarkably interesting concept it's barely even a game it's more of a immersive experience really isn't it yeah the, the problem with it being barely barely a game is one of the biggest issues with it at the moment because this, as we were talking about earlier, this is something that's massively suffered from hype. And there are a lot of reviews coming out. And the problem is, as a basis for a game, it's good. Uh, you know, unlimited planets, basically, you can take off and land on the planets, you can collect resources, uh, you can fly into space stations, you can meet aliens. You know, all this stuff is great. The problem is that if they'd sold it as a you know £20 indie game, that'd be fine. Problem is they didn't. They sold it as a full £40 priced game and it's not really finished. Uh. There's a lot of stuff that was in the videos that they pre-released 
saying you know there'll be things like uh, big space battles you'll be able to dock on like freighters um you'll be able to get involved with factions you'll have different ship types you'll be able to even simple things like you will be able to name the ship you can't do there's a whole range so was this rushed out do you think to meet the release date i think yes i think i mean it, it it feels like something that would be great as like a beta release or an alpha release um at some sort of early access you know and it would be brilliant as, as that as sort of a 20 pound game um the it, it just isn't a full price title there isn't enough depth in it. Uh, somebody I was re- listening to a review earlier and they described it as a, a an ocean-sized puddle because there is just no depth to it. And and that's the problem. It's a wonderful platform, but there's, you know, once you've played around with it for a few hours, you've kind of seen everything that you can possibly see. You know, although the stuff is, there's like animals and procedural generated stuff. So there are different things you can go and name planets, you can name animals and stuff. The problem is that there isn't enough variation or interest in that gameplay to make it worthwhile staying for any length of of time or something Um, that's based entirely on being an immersive sort of alternate real universe experience yeah those little details are what makes the game because there isn't a plot and there isn't something to draw you through in that way that might let you overlook some repetitiveness or some glitchy or missing items this is something where the experience and the ambiance is is the game yeah and uh, the i mean the most disappointing thing is somebody i mean the 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 ultimate goal is to sort of get to the center of the galaxy where it was sort of told that there was going to be something amazing and brilliant there and somebody has done it and i won't sort of spoil but there are videos online if you want to go and look of of what is at the center of the galaxy and it's crushingly disappointing so even that seems like something they should have thought through my father (laughs) yeah and that's the problem is is it it has a feel of a game that is still in beta um you know they might have ironed out a lot of the bug fixes but if you go back and look at the videos of what they were saying was going to be in the game compared to what actually is in the game there is a huge disparity between those two and that's upset an awful lot of people had it come out as an early release indie title where you paid you know 20 or even paid 30 pounds to get the game but on the understanding that you know there were going to be constant updates and it was an early release title, then people would have been a lot more forgiving and would have gone how great it was. The problem is that they've released it as a finished product and the game that was promised in all the trailers up until even a few months ago that they were talking about is not there. It doesn't exist. So It's a real shame because it was such an interesting concept. Yeah, Um and, you know, if they came out and said, we're going to continue working on it and we're going to have constant updates, you compare this to something which is, you know, genuinely is an indie, is a smaller indie title, something like Prison Architect, which is a game that, uh, you know, I absolutely love. And yes, it's a lot more simple than something like No Man's Sky. But y- you look at how they ran their update system where, you know, everything was um you know it was in beta for you know 18 months or so or even two years maybe where but there were every single month they were adding new features they were adding more stuff they were they were adding bits and pieces and there were these 
hilarious videos that they put up every month of the two of them talking about the new features and what new stuff was coming in and they constantly worked on that and you paid sort of 20 quid for the game to start off with and you got these updates every single month you know that's something that people really get on board with as well if they feel like they're working collaboratively with the creators that are giving them this new universe yeah then people i think would have been much more forgiving of any flaws because they would have seen it as something that was a almost a community effort something that they were involved in they were getting a sneak peek of and people can be very forgiving and very brand loyal yeah. if they feel like they're honestly involved or something yeah and the i mean the, the other problem is they've not even got support set up properly so uh there was a post on on reddit where somebody had um uh, sent a message to their support system waited something like two days to get an answer and the answer he got was the letter r that was it <laughs> i see um yeah that um that isn't going to make you a happy customer base no so there there are a lot of issues with it and it's such a shame because it's it, it could have been a brilliant interesting wonderful indie title but when you put it up against something like elite dangerous or even star citizen and i mean star citizen is something that did actually i think release as a as a full price game but on the on the understanding that it was going to be a long development cycle they're working on things and yet there are differences between the two because star citizen has a very big group behind it and no man's sky has a very small group behind it but even so they were upfront about what it was you were buying you know you might spend 30 pounds on this game but uh you won't get the full game you know you won't get the full game for another couple of years we are still working on it this is the development cycle we are running through it Uh, and those both those games have very similar sort of things in terms of visiting planets and trading and all that sort of stuff but But it's being done in a more full disclosure honest kind of open dialogue with their with their customers with their players yeah and that's the difference um, yeah. you know we we talked about no man's sky just after i'd started playing it last week and i was really excited about it and you know it's a week later and i've put it down again which is yeah. not good it should be something that you feel like you're so immersed in that you want to play it for years that's sort of what they were gearing it up to be from all the trailers and things or something where you would literally be in this this other world and you could explore it for years and it would never be the same twice yeah um, but at the moment, you know, I couldn't really advise buying it. You want to go and get Elite Dangerous is a great game. Uh, even Star Citizen, uh, which I'm not, I haven't been on that for a while, but I, you know, there, there are interesting things such as planetary landing, uh, for ships coming to Star Citizen. And, you know, uh, those are the games I will be looking at right now, not No Man's Sky, uh, unless he can come out and actually say, this is what we're going to be adding in going forward, but it needs a roadmap and it's not there. So you know it's very difficult to advise people to buy it right now anything Uh, um, interesting on the tv front for you uh the tv front is is my current obsession um gilmore girls on netflix (laughs) which i'm i'm embarrassed to say i am about halfway through season two having only really started watching it last week so um it's just one of those things that i've taken because there's not a lot else on tv right now i've taken to watch a couple of episodes of it each night so I, I'm I'm sort of barrel rolling through. The, basically, I've got until November when the new thing comes out because Netflix are making this this uh, sort of year in the life, I think it's called, of of the Gilmore Girls, uh, which is I think four specials. Okay. So they've they're making that which comes out I think in November. So 
I'm trying to work my th- way through seven seasons of the Gilmore Girls before then. <laughs> um, but it, it's a great show. It's it's just fun and the characters are great. Uh, it's quite gentle comedy, but it is very funny. It's about a relationship between a mother who had a daughter at 16. So her and the daughter are very close. They're very sarcastic. They're very witty. Uh, they're in a little small rural town in America. Her parents are very well off, but she's sort of not really had a relationship with them, but has ended up being forced back into a relationship with them. So you've you've got this kind of small town America versus kind of upper class American society get thing going on as well. But it's it's such fun. Um, it, if you're if you're into kind of American comedies, it's well worth watching. Yeah, if something's well written, then it can draw you in, even if it's not in your normal area. There's a couple of series of Desperate Housewives that I watched, and I never would have thought I'd watch that show. But there are a couple of series which are just so incredibly well written. Yeah, and there, there so are a shows like that. of acting talent as well. Yeah, well, that that's it, you know. So yeah, I mean, that's been my main kind of go-to show. I'm still watching things like Suits, uh, Vampire Diaries. I'm still working my way through. Have you tried Stranger Things that's on Yes, Netflix? yes. I binged watch Stranger Things over two or three days. Um, I've not seen it. Do you recommend it? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Certainly for, for somebody that, that potentially um, remembers some of the 80s as well. It's... Uh, <laughs> I like the way you phrase that. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes, uh, as as I do, uh, you know, it's it's such a nostalgic show for for those kind of eighties sci fi movies like the Spielbergs and you know your things like Close Encounters and uh, E. T. and and a lot of those sort of films and but even stuff like Goonies, which is a, a solid reference point for it there's there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on uh, but it, it has that vibe of those sort of 80s films it's brilliantly written it's wonderfully acted the kids are incredible i, I would thoroughly recommend that if you haven't watched it yet it's very very well worth seeing it was on it was on the list and i keep hearing good things about it so i think that's going to be probably my next my next one to watch through yeah it, it's definitely worth watching it's very very good so yeah, I would, I would get onto that. Awesome. So we, yeah, we've we've been talking about forty minutes for uh, for general stuff. So let's move on to some film and TV news. Film and TV news this week. As we were just talking about eighties things, CW are developing a, a new vampire TV show based on an old eighties property called The Lost Boys. Now, you, I'm sure you've seen this film. Yes. Of yes. course, many times. And I think this <laughs> announcement has made half the people hearing it go, what's that? And the other half go, no, they can't possibly remake <laughs> The Lost Boys. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they manage to, to put this together. Well, yeah, I mean, the uh, original movie starred Jason Patrick, who was in NARC and uh, was it Speed 2 Cruise Control and uh, Wayward Pines is the leading Wayward Pines. Diane West, who's in Life in Pieces and in Treatment, and the 80s icons that were Corey Heyman, Corey Feldman, and Kiefer Sutherland were the, were the main people in it. And it, the, the film was set in this small town of Santa Clara in California, uh, which was infested by vampires, and this family moves there, and they kind of get involved with that. Uh, the TV show is slate, taking, taking this slightly differently. The idea is that it will be a seven-season anthology series, so it would span over 70 years with each season taking 10 years to play out the first episode would start in the 1967 summer of love in san francisco 
show. Each season will change location and the human cast will change, but the ageless vampire Lost Boys characters will stay the same in each of them. It's an interesting concept, that, and I think it's good that they have something quite big and different planned for it, that it isn't just going to be kind of trying to remake what is a seriously of its time 80s property into a into a tv show yeah i mean the problem is i think if they'd actually left it as small town in america infested by vampires that's a little bit too close to vampire diaries which is essentially the show it would be replacing because vampire diaries is on its, it's on its final season so um because it's a little it's- bit buffy as well with the amount of the cast that would be teenage yeah yeah and there is that as well um so I, I think that's possibly why they've decided to go a slightly different route. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm kind of glad they've done that because I think that's probably the right thing to do. It gives them a chance to take those characters and evolve them and change them and fill in their past and fill in their future with the 80s bit, hopefully being a little bit resemblance to the movie. But then it's giving us something bigger rather than a remake. Yeah, yeah. And I like the idea of them being able to take the characters through those those different ages as well, because you get to see, you know, th- how those characters develop over that sort of 70 year lifespan of, and, and it sort of asks the questions of what is it actually like to be immortal? So, you know, I, I think that that's quite an interesting concept for them to actually pick. It gives them a very different visual aesthetic and mood to do with each series as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, allows them to change around. You've also got the advantage that you can actually put bigger names into it as well, because you're only ever signing the human cast up for one season. So potentially you can put larger names in that aren't going to have to sign a contract which says they're going to be on there for seven years. It means they can pick perfect actors for their roles and then get those actors between them filming whatever other show they do yeah, yeah, and have them in there for the right amount of time. No one's going to outstay their welcome. They can chop and change the characters as is need be and they can keep it fresh. So it's something that when I first heard the original announcement, I was just sort of like, really, another remake, another thing. But the more details are coming out, the more it's sort of looking like it's actually going to be something far more intelligent and far more validity to them doing it than just a straight up remake. Plus you've got such like you know talented people involved with the writing and things like that that it i think it really has a hope of being good which is which is quite good we have so many disappointments this week like this is something where i'm like yeah this this has got legs <laughs> yeah yeah the um yes definitely t um this the person behind it is rob thomas who was the man that was behind veronica mars um he worked on uh, 90210 uh, and i zombie which is the most recent thing he's done for for cw so uh he's going to be the one person behind it as you say this is this is one of many kind of 80s properties which are being redeveloped at the moment you've got uh training day um well, training day is probably 90s actually but lethal weapon frequency the jack Ryder movies they're, they're all being turned into tv shows you've got macgyver which was a classic 80s tv show which is being reinvented as well uh stranger are things they really redoing macgyver yes they are um <laughs> I'm like crying. <laughs> I know. Um, and uh, Stranger Things, which we were talking about, of course, which is complete 80s nostalgia. So, um, yeah, I mean, although, as we said, this isn't going to be completely 80s, it's kind of late 60s to, to you know, whenever. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that does beg the question, actually. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Uh, yeah, okay. So 
Yes, I do wonder whether you're going to end up getting space age things, but you're probably not. Uh, <laughs> well, if it keeps going, if the run works, they would have to keep doing that. Well, yeah, I mean that is and, that you is know, true. Could, vampires in space—that could be a cool way to end a series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what happens. Maybe that's if they get an eighth season, that's what they'll have to be. Some kind of post-apocalyptic future, and the only ones still alive are the vampires. vampires. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that's where they'll go. Um, yeah, so we've got that coming. Moving on, we've got some. Uh, because it wouldn't be a show without some of this, is DC casting updates. So a couple of new additions to The Flash and two new characters. A girl called Joey King is playing a metahuman character called Magenta. She's probably best known for a role as Greta in um, Fargo. She's also played a character called Sam in Independence Day Resurgence. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So Magenta's a comic, one of the characters from the comic books. She was kind of quite a disturbed individual. She was a childhood friend and then later girlfriend of Wally West. She has the ability to control metal. She's basically a female version of Magneto. At one point, she was a member of the Teen Titans, which is uh, when she took on the title of Magenta. But she's got quite a dark side and ended up being turned into a villain, uh, which led to this huge battle with Wally West when he was the Flash. She disappeared after that incident and re-emerged again as a hero, helping Flash again, then reverted to being a villain and was part of the new Rogues. So, yeah, it, it's kind of an intriguing character that they picked out to play with. Yeah, I think they've set up their main character base enough now that they can bring in these far more multifaceted people. Yeah. yeah. I think it's quite an interesting point in in the show now with where they're going to where they're going to take it they can do whatever they want really at this point i think yeah i mean it's interesting with her whether they are actually going to bring her in as a girlfriend of wally or or a childhood friend of wally whether they are going to use that as a storyline and that's how she comes in or whether she's going to be some random person that pops up from somewhere i don't know but yeah i i thought that was kind of interesting and it's whether she arrives with some of the other rogues because they are building the, the sort of rogue supervillain group, which they are building, which has got characters such as uh, Captain Cold, which is Wentworth Miller, obviously. Grey Damien, which was announced last week, playing Mirror Master. You've got Weather Wizard, which we've seen a couple of versions of that. Pied Piper, Golden Glider, Trickster, which was uh, Devon Gray and Mark Hamill. And Heatwave, of course, played by Dominic Purcell. So, you know, they are creating this group of rogues for which are the big kind of supervillain group for flash so there's a lot of those coming up there is another rogue as well called top who uh sounds terrible when you read it on paper because basically they they have the ability to spin at incredible speeds and deflect bullets and they can also make people's heads spin causing vertigo they have a, a collection of trick tops as well much like green arrows trick arrows so trick spinning tops but uh, in the books, he it's actually a guy, but in the TV show, it's somebody called Ashley Rickards who's uh, taking on the role. She was in Awkward and One Tree Hill. 
Yeah, again, another one of the the kind of classic rogues gallery lineup. Yeah, I think that it's one of the only shows that could really take on a character like that because they will just make fun of the fact the power is silly. They can Yeah. They play off these kind of things like with the whole kind of in the flash with kind of the turtle being really slow and this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. it's actually a show that can take things that would seem to not be able to translate that are clearly from very old comic books. Yeah. And very off their time and actually sort of turn that on its head and make that the appeal. Yeah, I I think that's going to be the interesting thing. They they are bringing her in with Damien Gray's Mirror Master. She's described as Bonnie to Mirror Master's Clyde. So, yeah, I I think that's interesting. And and switching the gender that is stuff that they've done before with uh the DC shows as well. So, I, you know, I don't think that's a huge problem. And they do that quite a lot in the comic books anyway. So, you know, that kind of makes sense. But um yeah, you know, inter- interesting to see how they're going to handle that. Over on Arrow, they've added a, uh, not a villain this time, this is a a new vigilante, because <laughs> there just aren't enough of them on Arrow. Um, There's still some more colours that need to be used up on that show. Yes, yeah, yeah. Human Target is the uh, the person that's coming in. Uh, Will Travell, who was in Once Upon a Time, and Jessica Jones, uh, played Christopher Chance, who is also known as Human Target. He's basically a bodyguard and a master of disguise, can assume the identity of any people that have been targeted by assassins. In this case, the client is Oliver Queen, who's protecting him as mayor. So in actual fact, although we say Will Travell uh, is going to be playing him a lot of this show i suspect he's going to look like stephen amell so so he's going to be stephen amell yes Yes, exactly the the character of human target has actually been the subject of two of the tv shows there was one based on the uh, dc character in 92 starring rick springfield that lasted seven episodes there was one in 2010 which was slightly more successful that starred mark valley and ran for two seasons so uh, that he'll be popping up in uh, Arrow episode five point five. That character pops up. So yeah, I think that's a that's a fairly reasonable addition to the the whole vigilante sort of setup that they've got going over there. Yes, I'm just pleased it isn't another love interest. Yeah, I'm saying that he'll probably start going out with Felicity now. I've said that. <laughs> probably yes, I'm sure. The, the, you, now you've said that, you're going to have Felicity hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> I love Felicity. It's just there's too many bits of the show have been about who she's dating yes which is not what the show should be more vigilantes less less romantic drama yes uh, that would be good over on uh, marvel side they've got another tv show coming picked up by hulu it's from gossip girls josh schwartz and stephanie savage it's marvel's runaways which is written by brian k vaughan who was responsible for buffy season eight and saga uh, and adrian alfonso who has written for miss marvel and kenny x-force it's about a group of teens who run away as the title would suggest when they discover that their parents are part of a supervillain group called the pride upon learning their true heritage some discover they have abilities so they uh, set out with their newfound power along with some magical items they've stole from their evil parents to defeat the pride i mean that that sounds like a fairly reasonable concept for a tv show you know it's quite a good standalone that isn't going to cross over too much with other things and i think uh, a property like the runaways is something that they can also target a little bit at people that might not have read as many comic books because it's got that you know, the characters aren't that well known it's something that's a good yeah. kind of entry point i think possibly for some new fans yeah i think that's true and it's 
it's the type of thing that i mean it's a very cw sounding show actually but it's been picked up by hulu because it it's going to have a young and beautiful cast you can almost guarantee that uh, as I mean, long the, as it's better than the tomorrow people remake then it's fine yeah, well yes yes that is true um schwartz was co-creator of the oc and chuck so you know they've got somebody that knows that sort of superhero-y and kind of young adult drama thing and jeff Loeb is serving as exec producer along with daredevil's jim chory so it's got a fairly reasonable group of people behind it i think i, I, I think, think often these shows that are picked up by the sort of netflix and hulu and things like that they're slightly passion projects for the people involved yeah, yeah. and i think that does show through with, with the quality of the work yeah i i think that could be um really good i i you know i i think it's an interesting sounding project that one so i'm like a wild card that. that one i think it's a i think it's gonna be interesting to see what they come up with and see if it does actually get picked up for a full run yeah yeah that is true i think that's only a pilot at the moment so you know we'll, we'll see where it goes and another show coming fairly soon which has now got somebody else boarding on on the back of it uh Dirk Gently's Hostilic Detective Agency, uh, which is a BBC America show, but Netflix have joined it to co-produce now. And the good thing about that is it means that it will be coming to Netflix in the UK. So we will get to see it. It stars Samuel Barnett, who is on Penny Dreadful as Dirk Gently. Uh, Elijah Wood, who we all know as Frodo in Lord of the Rings and was Wilfred, uh, is replaying his reluctant sidekick, Todd. And uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with... with Dirk Gently's Hostility Detective Agency. It's a Douglas Adams book um, who obviously wrote Hitchhikers. Uh, he's a somewhat unorthodox detective in that he, he's, he has a hostilic way of solving crime based on the fundamental inconnectedness of all things. So he sort of stumbles into finding clues for things because he believes the world will kind of send the clues to him is is the sort of idea this sort of leads to him and and todd going through on this bizarre adventure which cross paths with a bevy of wild and sometimes dangerous characters each season features one overarching mystery with each episode bringing them just a few random steps closer to the truth yeah i don't know whether uh, did you see there was a version that was done with Stephen mangan which rang on the bbc i don't know whether you saw that i haven't seen that version no i think it's a it's a it's a book that most people probably never heard of yeah quite possibly um, unless you're so douglas having, adams they'll, they'll probably have heard of douglas adams but they i don't think many people have heard of this book so they're going to be going into it quite sort of fresh-eyed and unjudgmental yeah i mean to be fair it's taking the basis of the book but it's a slightly americanized version of it so how closely it's going to stick to to things i think it takes the overall kind of idea and theme of it but i think that that's about as far as it possibly goes which can work sometimes because you look at things like elementary which is a very american take on sherlock yeah yeah and that has had some absolutely brilliant moments so it can be done and some of the other stuff that's come out of bbc america like with the orphan black and things like that have been really really top notch yeah yeah so i think it's one where i'm going to try not to judge it until i have seen it yes i think that's very true max landis is the person that's adapted it and run it if you if you think that name sounds familiar it's because he's the son of john landis classic 80s film director uh he also wrote uh, chronicle and victor frankenstein uh so you know he's got some experience with with uh writing and running shows and stuff it's backed by bbc america 
Netflix, AMC, IDW Entertainment, Landis is exec producing along with Robert Cooper, who is one of the big figures behind the Stargate franchise and Dark Matter. So yeah, uh, that's that's kind it's of got some heavyweights on board. So it's uh, yeah, definitely a wait and see that one. I think because it. it it's really hard to tell how it's going to come out. Yeah, yeah, very true. It, it's going out in the US on BBC America from the 22nd of October. Then it's going to be coming out on Netflix worldwide, and that includes the UK in December. So just go wait till December for it. But I, the fact that Netflix got on board with it, I think, is a very positive sign of quality for it. Because Netflix very rarely seem to have put a foot wrong with things that they get involved with. So I think that's a fairly positive sign, I would have said. So that's it in the news this week. Next up, we have an interview. So the interview this week is with Rob Clyde. He's one half of the directoral duo, the Clyde Brothers, um, and they've just released their first short movie, which is called If I Could Tell You. It's recently won the LA Holly Shorts Film Festival TV category. Uh, It's a fantastic little movie. You can uh, go and watch it by going to ificouldtellyoumovie.com and uh, there's a little international button so you can go and watch it there. It's a film which is about fertility issues and how they can drive somebody to take drastic measures. It stars Kevin Richardson, who many of you older listeners will know as one of the Backstreet Boys. Uh, it also stars Avery Clyde, who was in NCIS, Sharon Lawrence, who's in Shameless and uh, the US version and NYPD Blue, and Jim O'Hare from Parks and Recreation. It's a fantastic little movie, well worth going to see. I also wanted to say that uh, obviously it's a film about fertility issues, so uh, that's coming up in the conversation. Uh, So if you're a parent with little kids listening and you don't want awkward questions and want to jump past it, it's about 20 minutes long. There's nothing particularly bad in there, but I just wanted to, to say that just in case. So here's the interview with Rob. We'll see you afterwards with some air dates. Hey, Rob. Hey, man. How's it going? All right. How are you? Good. You hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Hearing you fine. Great. Great. The film that we are yes. talking about, do you want to, uh, it's called If I Could Tell You. Correct. Do, do you want to just explain a bit about the, the movie? Yeah. Um, so If I Could Tell You is a film about a woman and her husband that have been trying to get pregnant for a long time. They've spent over a hundred thousand dollars. They've been through, um, IVF in vitro fertilization and all the kind of the fertility doctors and the, and stabbing yourself in the stomach with needles and taking <laughs> hormones and all that fun stuff that comes yeah. with it. Um, they've officially stopped trying, uh, to get pregnant. It just hasn't worked, but what Abby Taylor, who's the main character, isn't telling anyone or her husband uh, is that this weekend she's going away uh, for a conference, but she's not telling anybody that she's actually meeting with an anonymous sperm donor to try to get pregnant one last time. Right. Yeah. So that's really what it's about. Um, and this one woman's kind of how desperate do you get in that situation when you're out of money, you're out of options? Um, but somebody's telling you, you could, this could work. And so she kind of, she uses this deception to kind of ends justify the means. If she plans on getting pregnant, she'll just tell her husband, Hey, look, we stopped trying and that's when we got pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what we set up there. Yeah. I mean, it's a very kind of interesting story. Where, where did the idea come from? 
So my wife, Avery, who stars in the film as Abby, uh, we had one child. We have a nine year old and didn't have any trouble getting pregnant with him. But then three years later said we'd go for number two. And basically doctors told us we weren't going to get pregnant without help. Um, and so we kind of embarked on then like a three year journey through the same thing with fertility. We didn't have any money. We live in LA. I'm a starving artist. I, <laughs> I had about 30 grand on a credit card that I had never used and thought, well, let's, let's give it a try. So we did, um, it didn't work and then we were out of money. Um, so a bankruptcy later and trying to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we add to our family? We felt like somebody was missing and, and we wanted to have another kid. So then we, we decided to foster adopt. We ended up getting a little girl, um, for about four months, a baby girl, and then had to give her back. Her mom Ugh. kind of earned her back and it was really hard, but, but, yeah. but whatever, um, you believe in, we got pregnant. Like we conceived our kid like the next day. Um, and so, you know, in the theories of the, the physical stuff and how it, it connects to the stress and spiritual and all that stuff when it comes to getting pregnant, um, I guess we just hit rock bottom or we left it all on the table with, with this foster daughter and, and whatever happened, we, it worked. And, and so now, uh, I have a two and a half year old that, that was born naturally. So we're really lucky. Wow. So that's, that was where the, that's our story in the midst of that. Uh, ironically, our good friends, Kevin and Kristen Richardson, Kevin, uh, is one of the backstreet boys and he, uh, their son is our nine-year-old son. They're, they're friends. Right. Okay. And they were going through the exact same problem, literally, um, couldn't get pregnant without help. So we kind of did this together. Um, and went through that together. In the midst of that, we were like, man, somebody should do a movie about this that isn't a sappy, melodramatic chick flick yeah. on Lifetime. You know, I mean, we've anytime I've seen films or TV shows that where couples deal with fertility, it's just a sappy, just the, the marriage is in turmoil and, and, you know, there's no explanation for it. And, and a lot of that is true, but we felt like we wanted to do something that was a little bit more compelling. And Kevin was like, I'm on board. He had been... Uh, he'd been on hiatus from the band and had been acting full time. I had seen him in a play and I, the guy commits to his roles and I said, well, let's make a film about it. And, uh, and so we did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watched it earlier today. So, um, uh, Good. I, I would, yeah, I, I completely agree with you in terms of, um, what you say about network TV and that sort of, yeah, those sort of films that, sh and those sort of movies that show fertility treatments. And this mm -hmm. really isn't that. This is, in terms of TV genre style, you're, it's more HBO than, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, it's, well, it's, it's. That's it's, our goal, right? I mean, yeah. thank you for saying that. That's, that's probably the mark that we were trying to hit. We, um, well, first of all, the, the, the kind of black market fertility, this underground world of sperm donors is a real thing. And that's Kevin. Actually, we were in the midst of writing this thing and Kevin had seen a 2020 special about uh, online sperm donors that are giving their sperm away to women and couples for free to help them, you know, get pregnant. Yeah. And it's and it sounds altruistic, but it's also very fetish like it's very underground and, and creepy. Yeah. We, um, we met a couple guys online 
and uh, are are currently talking with a couple as well. It's like Match.com except for free sperm donors. It's literally what what uh, Abby says in the film. And if you do any, we didn't have to do much research to find this community of guys that will do this. It it started mostly with lesbian couples that just yeah. didn't have the money. You know, you pay five thousand dollars just to have a doctor uh, turkey base you in a sense. It's called an artificial insemination or IUI. You're paying $5,000. And and instead, if you could just get some some good sperm and a syringe, you can do it yourself. And so women and couples are are meeting guys online. And then they they kind of, once the woman is ovulating, they they meet in a hotel. Some meet in Starbucks. It's it's really uh, whatever you want to (laughs) do. And um, you do it a couple times, maybe for three days and see what happens. And in this film, um, again, Abby goes away for a weekend without telling her husband, meets up with Derek, our sperm donor, who's played by Kevin. And uh, and in a breakout performance, I mean, it, it you know, it could be a it's a plus and a minus to have a Backstreet Boy in your movie. Some people are very skeptical, um, but I knew he could act. And and he brought this kind of southern gentlemanly which is who Kevin is. He brought himself to the role. And then there's a turn where most people are like, Whoa. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that he could, I had it. He had him in him. Yeah. Yeah. And he does. I I know what you mean about really a backstreet boy in, in a film, but he's brilliant in it. I mean, he's really good. Uh, You, you really wouldn't know. It's kind of ironic him playing a sperm donor because I'm sure there's a lot of 30 year old ladies out there that would be very happy. (laughs) You can imagine on set we had, um, there's a lot of sperm in our movie. It's a prop. It's a prop. And uh, everybody's asked us, what was it? It was like, it was, it was just hand soap. It was, it was just hand soap. But we were on set going, I I think there's a clip of me in a behind the scenes where I'm holding up the cup with the sperm going, I bet I could sell this on eBay for like a hundred grand right now. I've got Backstreet Boys sperm. Um, And so, yeah, uh, we did our premiere in LA uh, earlier this month and had quite a few Backstreet Boy fans there to, you know, get their pictures and their selfies and their autographs. And yeah, uh, there was, there was no sperm giveaways, but uh, <laughs> it was great. We sold out and, and, and we're getting really good. We're getting really good reviews. We actually, uh, we actually just won best TV category at Holly shorts, uh, on Friday. Um, so we're, we're award-winning now. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, it it is. Uh, it's what about thirty five minutes long. The the film. Yeah, it's that was a tough one. I mean, if my brother and I, we mostly direct commercials right, and brand okay. entertainment here in town, and this was our first movie. And honestly, if we set out to do a feature, I don't think we ever would have gotten it done. <laughs> it's it, half that we just don't have time, and half that we didn't believe in ourselves yet. Yeah. And so we said, let's set out, let's, and, and we, it worked well. We were like, it's just, it's a weekend away. Well, so it'll be a 35 minute thing. And, we knew that festivals would frown on that length because most shorts are like 10 minutes long. Yeah. Um, but we were really out to kind of prove a concept. We want to do television. You had mentioned HBO. I think television is where the real art is being done Yeah. right now. Right. if you're not at an Avenger sequel or, you know, <laughs> or, yes. or any sequel, then you're not going to get in at movies anyway. And there are some great ones being made, but TV is where it's rich in character development and in story. And so we'd like to do that in the future. So that's why we kept it at 35 minutes. 
Um, and I think it's the right length. I don't think we let people breathe very much in it. Once we get started, we, we kind of keep rolling through until it gets to the end. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it feels right. You know, it's, it's a good length for it. I think it works really well. Would you be interested in expanding something like that into maybe a series for TV or? Yeah. Um, so what we're developing right now is a, is a series based on the sperm donor character. Right. So, okay. yeah, it's not necessarily a pilot for a show, um, but it is just a proof of concept. Number one, that we can make compelling television. Yeah. And it just introduces the world to this this black market fertility that we think is really ripe for a series. So we we're developing it right now um, and we have a pilot pretty much completed and so we'll be kind of pitching that in the next few months we're we're fingers crossed cool i mean i think it could work really well for that is that got kevin in it as well or is that a different actor um well we don't know yet we, oh, okay you know we will cast it i i think uh, honestly and, and he knows this uh kevin might be a little old for it now and so we're talking to kevin about maybe coming on as a producer he he believes in us. He believes in the topic and, and we're friends. So I want him to be a part in some way for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll just, we'll recast it. I mean, we have some, you know, we have our, our wants and desires in there. It's, it's funny because, you know, my wife, Avery is the lead. She's <laughs> the reason that this film is so awesome. Yeah. I mean, she is blow you away. Um, just she's in every scene and she and it's because she brought her personal story to it. Um, and, but she just really knocks it out of the park. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, we're trying to write her apart in the TV show too, but as we move on, our characters might be a little younger. It doesn't, you know, you need to edit this out of the podcast. My wife and Kevin are going to kill me <laughs> that I'm saying our future TV show, they're too old for, but, um, that might be the case. And, and we're, and we're far down the road. Um, it's going to take us a little while, but, um, yeah, but yeah, we really, we have a really good concept going. We are researching and we're, we're kind of in deep in this black market fertility thing. We've met some guys that are anonymous. They, they stay anonymous because they would uh, get sued for paternity cases. If yeah, they didn't. yeah. Yeah. Um, what they're doing is illegal in some ways. It's, it's, cra it's crazy stuff. And at the same time, like I said, it starts, they're just doing it to get, to help women get pregnant. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an odd situation. If, I mean, is, is it illegal if they're not taking money for it? I, you know, it's, I think the illegal thing is the anonymous part of it. I, I, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that giving somebody your sperm is illegal or, and by the way, uh, the, often they do what's called an NI or natural insemination, which is they just have sex with you to get you pregnant. Yeah. Which um, I mean, you know, I, and I, I don't see, I, I don't know how that could be illegal because what if somebody randomly hooked up with somebody in a bar? Right. You know? So, yeah. I, so I don't think that the act of it isn't illegal. I think it's more in the anonymity um, when when women are trying to find find you because they decided they want money from you. So maybe it's more of a uh, but, beating paternity <laughs> cases. But at the same time, I mean, like some of the guys I'm talking to, they are you know, they're getting, they're not just getting sued by women They're They have cops and FBI looking at them, you yeah. know? So I, you know, I don't, they, they're future criminals or something. I don't know. It's just all it's, shady in a bit. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah. It's kind of interesting that because that, I'm researching that right now and I'll I'll know better, you know, six yeah. months from now. Yeah, that's, but, that's kind of. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting side to it, because, mm-hmm. you know, you could randomly meet somebody in a bar, not even get their name uh, and they leave the next morning. And you yeah, get pregnant guy, from that. The so. guy I'm talking to right now, he has he has a wife and kids, a wife and two kids that don't know that he has fathered. Uh, I, he's saying now he's fathered 70 children. Wow. But he literally has a wife and kid back home. So you could be doing I could be doing it and you wouldn't know he's leading a total double life. We think that's rich for television right there. Yeah. And so we're going to we're going to go after that. But it's also in our movie. So. Um, man, I would love everybody that's listening now to, to watch it. They can, um, if they're, if you're in the U S and Canada, you can watch it on iTunes, Amazon, uh, Google play kind of wherever you watch video on demand. It, it's not on Netflix yet, but we're working on that. Okay. Um, if you're, if you're international, if you're UK, if you're anywhere, but the U S and Canada, you go to, if I could tell you movie.com, that's our website, kind of the hub. And you'll see on the homepage, there's a button right there for international people to be able to purchase it. Okay. Brilliant. All right. Yeah, no, it it is. It's definitely worth watching. It's um, been a great film. Uh, I I think it's a really interesting subject matter as well. Um, Thank you. So a couple of little uh, last questions that we, we always ask people. Um, we cover a lot of TV on the website. So we always ask, uh, what are you watching at the moment? Okay. What am I watching? I just start. It's funny. I've watched the pilots of three different shows. Uh, that's where I'm at. I'm watching stranger things. Brilliant. Yes. Which is, I've seen the pilot. That's so I'm excited. Uh, just started Mr. Robot. Yeah. Also brilliant. Yeah. So just saw the first pilot. It's very similar. Our show, we're trying to model very similar, an anti-hero, a guy that's kind of, you know, doing illegal things, but for good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I'm trying to watch the night of on HBO right now. I watched the pilot again and I just, uh, you know, the Olympics just finished. So I'll get (laughs) back to my television. I'm an Olympic junkie and watched every night. And so that's what I'm watching. Stranger Things, Mr. Robot, night of. Yeah. Uh, Nerd of we haven't got yet. It starts September, I think, over here. So, okay. so we're we're waiting for that. But the other two are are brilliant. We get them yes. same as you. So, um, and uh, last question: If you could get your hands on any TV show, past, present, or future, which one would you like control of? Um, my favorite television show of all times is Six Feet Under. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And Ben would say the same thing. I mean, and we, you know, I'm looking in our office right now, we actually have posters of our, of kind of our favorite stuff. So I'm looking right now at a Sopranos poster. I'm looking at, <laughs> uh, the newsroom. I'm looking at boardwalk empire. I'm looking at true detective. I'm looking at, uh, of course, game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, and then actually we put our own poster up there as a little bit. Of <laughs> so, you know, um, what do all those mostly have in common? Three letters, HBO. HBO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is the tone of, of what we're doing. I, I think Netflix is, is the new HBO in that sense, because you almost have even more freedom yeah, totally. to, to do what you want. And, and we would love nothing more than to, you know, to be a Netflix show as well. I mean, we love house of cards and, and stuff, but, but six yeah. feet under that, that to me is some of the best writing, best acting, and just, um, something that hadn't been done before. And I suggest people should binge watch that twice. <laughs> it is, it is a brilliant, brilliant show. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, thanks for coming on and, and uh, talking to me, Rob. It's been absolutely brilliant. I, I Good luck with the movie cause, and, and the series as well, because I think it would be a really interesting subject for a series. So I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing more of that um, in the year to come. Thanks so much, Dave. Really appreciate it. And once again, if I could tell you movie.com, that's all people need to know. Yeah, no worries. All right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate thanks. it. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Bye. So that was the interview with Rob Clyde hope you really enjoyed that if you want to go and see the film you can go to if i could tell you movie.com and uh, click on the international link and it'll give you ways to be able to get hold of it and download it so that's it for the interview here's some air dates so air dates this week we have uh, we have one cancellation which I'm sure you'll be absolutely gutted to hear that after 11 seasons, they're finishing Deal or No Deal. I can't believe there's 11 seasons of that. <laughs> I know, it's phenomenal. It's 11 seasons of people randomly open boxes. I, I just, 11 seasons of the same show repeated. Yes, basically, of, of people. There is no strategy to it. I, I, you know, I know people say they have strategies, but there isn't. It's completely random. Well, it's so, like picking lottery numbers. Yeah. You could pretend there's a strategy, but it is completely random yeah absolutely it's completely ridiculous but yes after 11 seasons that's finally finishing although they did say that there are they are working on other things with noel edmonds so we haven't got rid of him yet um so he's so, another beloved icon i think that he's gonna stick around <laughs> yeah i think so renewals uh, mr robot has landed a third season halfway through its second season it's now landed a third which is fantastic news because that's such a good show i know have you been watching that i've started it but i'm quite behind at the moment so okay. no spoilers but it is yeah there's a lot of talent on that show as well that's another one where you can just see how well written and how well thought that out is from the first 10 seconds yeah yeah no it, it's absolutely brilliant so i'm looking forward to to seeing more of that um, in terms of changes, uh, the night of which we mentioned last week as coming to Sky on Demand, it looks like they are actually putting it out on TV as well. So 1st of September at 9pm, that's going to go out. But that's going to go out on Sky Atlantic. They're also going to drop the whole lot, as, like they did with Billions, actually. They're going to drop the whole lot on Sky on Demand, so you can just binge watch your way through it if you if you get into it. It's only eight parts, so you know uh, that's good. Dara Breen, having finished hosting everything on BBC Two, is now moving on to Dave. And I, I suspect by the year 2020, Dara Breen will host every single TV show on every single network. I think that's probably where we're going. Um, <laughs> Dara Breen, uh, go 8-bit is a new show coming to Dave, 5th of September at 10pm. It's It sounds quite fun, and I've seen little clips of it. It's basically a game show where they get um, celebrities together to play classic video games and some newer titles as well, so things like Star Wars Battlefront. And they also create uh, live in-studio versions of games as well. So, yeah, uh, that, that sounds quite fun. The 80s is just taking over. Yeah, yeah. So, so retro games and modern games in that, and some live action versions of things like Tetris and that sort of stuff. Uh, so that should be quite good fun. Fifth of September for that. Just till dawn, the series, series and three of that coming to Netflix on the seventh of September. I I watched a couple of episodes of that and haven't gone back to it, but you know, it seems quite good. I did the same. Yeah, I, I did exactly the same thing. It was good, but I didn't quite get hooked in. I think that's another one that needs another. Now we've got this break from the shows that are that we're sort of following like the flashes and arrows and things like that. Maybe that's a good time to 
catch up on this one. Yeah, yeah, maybe. There is a show called The Ranch coming to Netflix on the 7th of October, which stars Aston Kutcher, Danny Masterson, Sam Elliott, and Deborah Winger in a series which is set on a ranch. I uh, don't know much more about it than that, but, you know, I assume it's a comedy if Aston Kutcher's involved. Crossing Line Season 3 coming to Alibi on the 13th of October. This version of it stars Goran Viznich, I believe. It's about a fictional police unit set in The Hague, but uh, it's odd, that show, because they seem to have killed off or got rid of the entire cast for the third season and replaced them with a whole bunch of new people. So, yes, interesting. But that's coming 13th of October. There is a new show coming to Dave called Zapped, starring James Buckley from The Inbetweeners as Brian, an online data marketing assistant who gets transported to a parallel world full of warriors, soothsayers, and wizards. And that's coming in October. It sounds very much like, did you catch that E4 show that they did recently, which is about parallel worlds? Is it called, it was something like Tripped or... Tripped, yes, Tripped. Something like that, yeah. Does does sound incredibly similar to that, but uh, this is coming today. Lots of exclamation marks. Yes, yeah. So, mm. oh, but you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, it sounds sounds like it could be quite good fun. And there's the affair season three of that arriving at some point in winter, but we don't have an exact date for that yet. Next week on TV, we've got one of us starting on the twenty third of August at nine pm, which is a newlywed couple returns to their honeymoon and are promptly murdered. Um, which I'm assuming there's more goes on than that. Otherwise, that's a very short show. It's a very concise uh, description <laughs> of the show, if that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Holt and Catch Fire Season 3 coming to Amazon Prime on the 24th. Again, that was another one that I watched a few episodes of. I thought, oh, this is quite good, and then didn't go back to So I may go back to that at some point. Another one, 80s inspired as well. Yes, yeah, another 80s inspired one. Great British Bake Off Season 7, 24th of August at 8pm. That returns if you're into your baking. Um, Rizzoli and Isles season seven, which is the final season, starts on 24th of August on Alibi at 9 pm. That's quite a fun, if you like your procedural kind of cop shows, it's quite a good procedural cop show, that one. Nashville season four, Sky Living on the 25th of August at 10 pm, that arrives, which I know a lot of people have been waiting for that to turn up because it got bounced around the networks and then dropped and then picked up again. And so, uh, yeah, that. That I know a lot of people are looking for coming back. X Factor, season 13, 27th of August at 8pm. I'm sure you'll be glued to this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, X Factor is one of those shows which I do occasionally watch because, which I know is terrible. It's one of my guilty pleasure shows. But, I, you know, I, I, if you don't get hooked in right at the start, then you, you're safe. But... If you get drawn in early on, that's it. You're kind of lost. Wow, it's it's car crash telly meets drinking game telly, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely is. So, um, but that's back with Simon Cowell and a few other people. So, uh, yeah, that's one to watch. 27th of August at 8pm. Victoria season one coming to ITV on the 28th of August at 9pm. That's Jenna Coleman as Queen Victoria. That's the thing she left Doctor Who to go and star in, play the Queen. So there's been a few videos of that around. That looks quite good. Duck Quacks Don't Echo, which is on its fifth season now. That's a sort of QI meets Call My Bluff with Lee Mack. Starts on Sky One on the 30th of August at 8pm. And then we have Saving Hope, which is Michael Shanks from uh, Stargate. He's 
coming to Sony Entertainment Television on the 30th of August. Uh, it's also got Erica Durant from Smallville in it as well. That's a medical drama. That's at 9pm. Then Mount Pleasant Season 6 on Sky 1 on the 30th of August at 9pm. Wolf Creek Season 1 on Fox on 30th August at 10pm. And The Night Shift Season 3 on Sony Entertainment Television at the 30th August at 10pm. And I think that's everything, unless you've got anything new you'd like to add. I think you have covered everything exceedingly concisely. (laughs) Excellent. Good. I'm glad to hear. So if you want to come and uh, find more information throughout the week and latest air dates and news, go and find us at geektown.co.uk. If you want to get in touch, you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter at geektown, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, or on instagram at geektown uk and they can find you at uh, you can find me at trista bytes uh, which is spelled like computer byte because i'm double geeky and i'm on youtube facebook twitter and instagram brilliant all right that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.